and welcome to TV My Husband Hates. I'm Kat Sims. And I'm Regan Kempton. And we are reality TV addicts. Addicts, uh, aficionados. Ooh, I like that. Experts. Experts. Basically, we know our shit when it comes to reality TV. 100%. Hello and welcome to another episode of TV My Husband Hates. Uh, how you doing, Kat? You know, I'm doing all right. <laughs> Just surviving. <laughs> starting to feel a little beaten by the system i've got to be honest we've um we've yet to have a full week with both the kids in school we thought that this week would be the week because it was the first week Bo was doing full days and then on thursday night last night uh we got the email saying that Bo now has to quarantine for two weeks so she was home today so we made it another four days we've only made it four days with both kids in school um yeah so i'm gonna be honest i'm you know i'm like in the twilight zone now Yeah, no, we're the same. Um, This week, my youngest was sent home after an hour because apparently he was coughing his head off and then he did not cough the whole rest of the day and was totally fine. So (laughs) I took him back the next day because he had no fever. He was exhibiting no symptoms. But we did have that day, um, we've got a lot of wildfires still going on and it was quite smoky um, even at our house and there was like ash on the cars and stuff. So I think it was just a bad air quality day, which I think triggers... COVID-like symptoms, apparently. It's just fucking bullshit, isn't it? I mean, I'm just so exhausted. Yeah. I'm sure we've talked about it before, but just this not knowing every day whether yeah. whether I'm going to be able to work, whether my kids can be in school, whether I'm going to get a phone call, all of it is just overwhelmingly stressful. 100%. And I mean, I go back and forth on whether it was stressful to just know that they were going to be home every day and have to deal with that versus the unknown of every day. But I mean, quite frankly, the days that they are both in school, I get a lo- I get loads done, which is nice. But this week has been quite like rough for me because I feel like it's finally like all settling down. Like I'm finding it really hard to be motivated yeah. to like get shit done because it's just like, I just need a break. I need a break from making decisions yeah. and having to go day by day because I think you're the same, but I'm a planner. And <laughs> so it's been quite hard. It's really hard. I mean, we had therapy yesterday and I genuinely was like, I, I can't cope. Like it's too much. And, yeah. and it's not like any one particular thing is too much. It's just right. this not being able to plan. And I'm a control freak. I find it hard. It just yeah. fucking triggers me. But um, in answer to your question as to whether I would find it less stressful than both being home and knowing yeah. they were home. Yes, I would find that more stressful. I would rather that they were in school even for an hour. Like there is that. I'm just not that mom. You know, I am. I I love my kids. And the fact that I still have to justify this drives me mental. But I obviously love my kids. But I'm not great if I have to have them around me all the time. I'm not because I'm not either. I don't love I love my kids, but I don't love the practical day to day realities of parenting. And anybody who says that they love shouting at their kids 17 times to get their shoes on and playing fucking tea parties and uh, any providing snacks yeah. 24 hours a day. I just, I think it's okay to say you don't love that shit. A hundred percent. I mean, I joke around, but like TV and screens has become the third partner in my marriage. Like I'm in a throuple with my husband <laughs> and screens to deal with my children because it's just, you know, I just get tapped out. Like I, I'm not a playful mom and I, it's probably something I should work on. I'm not having any more kids, so it's probably okay. But <laughs> I don't know. Like I like doing stuff with them, Me too. but as far as like the imaginary play, I find really difficult. I think it's just my personality. No, I mean, <laughs> time slows down when I have to pretend play. Like it's, it's, I just can't even explain to you. It's just my worst thing. Yeah. And and I will take them out. We'll romp around the woods. I'll spend fucking hours in the pissing rain collecting conkers. That's my vibe. I love it. I'll, we'll, whatever. Yeah. But ask me to play tea parties or dinosaurs or trains. And I swear to God, I'd rather drink bin juice. Yeah. This is what I'm happy. I have two, two kids because I love it when they do it together. Like I'll facilitate them playing pretend together and I can do that. And it's probably my teacher background. I'm much better at facilitating imaginary play than actually participating. I mean, you've got boys though. So I think your boys play nicer together than my girls do. They just, they literally walk into a room and punch somebody and then punch each other in the face and walk out. And that's basically how they are at the moment. Well, I've had to break it down for the older one where I was like, look, this is the only time in your life he is going to blindly follow what you tell him to do. And my, my oldest is very much a control freak like myself. So 
I was like, if you want to play something, as long as you include him in it, he will just go along with it. And that's where we're at with their age difference. So, and I think it's also their personality. Like Heath is just kind of a happy-go-lucky kid, whereas Tate is way more controlling. So it actually works out well at this moment in time. I don't think it's forever, but for right now it's working. No, I've got two mini dictators on my hands. It's a fucking world war every time we put them in a room together. Um, Anyway, speaking of world wars, when you put them in a room together, how'd you like that segue? Um, Brilliant. Let's kick off with the first show of the week, which is, of course, Real Housewives of Potomac and um, the bust up between Monique and Candice. And I have to say on social media, we've had so many people say, I can't wait to hear what you guys think and what our opinion is of this, because... I'm hearing lots of conflicting things where people are saying that perhaps that Candace started it or other people started it. What's your take, Reagan? Um, I do not agree that anybody else started it. I mean, I, I will admit Candace loves to rub, run her mouth, but there is no excuse for putting your hands on people at all. Monique touched her first with the hair flipping and things like that, and then it just went off the rails. And I am so mind-boggled that people are seeing it a different way because I've, I've watched it multiple times now trying to see if there was just something that I missed and there isn't. No, there isn't. You didn't miss anything. It is, it's categorically clear to me that no matter what Candace says, there is yeah. never an excuse to put your hands on somebody. But even more than that, this was really violent. Like super violent. It was, and you could see Monique break like she had a reality break and she says later doesn't she that she blacked out she doesn't really remember you could see that like she was gone she was she had left the fucking building and all that was left behind was her lizard brain fucking working overtime absolutely i mean you can even see it with her interaction with the producers right like she does not want to stop she wants to keep going and it's like they have to lock her in a room to, you know, diffuse the situation. And poor Ashley is just in the bathroom the entire time. She comes out and the world's exploded. <laughs> I love that. Like, I'd forgotten she'd gone, right? And she literally yeah. left. It all kicked off. She left and it was all lovely and everybody was enjoying wine and cheese. And and then she came back and it was like a hurricane had blown through the building. And she was like, yeah. I literally just went to pee. What happened? I mean, good news for Ashley because all of a sudden nobody's thinking about the fact that Michael's been caught in his Grundies with some absolutely with some woman in a hotel room. So she's like, well, this is great for me. Yeah. But fuck me. And I think this has been coming for a while. And I said this yeah. in product in our kind of pre-prod meeting before. It feels like this is a kind of break for, Mon- for Monique. Like there's some kind of nervous break. And I don't want to use that word, but it's that kind of emotional right. break that's happened. Well, do you remember earlier in the season where she was just talking about putting her little annoyances in boxes uh-huh. on little shelves? And it's like, that's not a super healthy way to deal with these annoyances because they're all going to come crashing down. Like the the shelves are going to break, the boxes are going to explode everywhere, and everything's going to get mixed up together, right? And I think that's what we see in this episode. Like all of the issues that are that's going on with Monique has now exploded all over Candace. Well, and I think as well, we have to remember there's a lot that happened before filming started. So clearly her and Chris have been through some rough times recently due to these kind of rumors and allegations that have been going around. Whether they're true or not, it will have definitely caused some emotional pain and stress for them both. And I think obviously Absolutely. Monique's still got a fairly young baby who's what, nine months or something. So I feel like she's been going through a lot and you can tell that there's some triggers there for her and the way that she's behaving. That aside, this is a really clear sign to me that the, that she needs some help. And I feel like that's, I hope somebody picks up on that. Absolutely. I feel like this has been the most violent outburst we've ever seen on any of the Real Housewives because I feel like this is the most production I've ever seen getting involved. Like, 
yeah. really physically having to tear them apart and then someone coming back and running towards the car and really having to push them off people and getting somebody in the car to like get out of the situation. I feel like I've never seen this on any of the other Real Housewives. I mean, the only thing that I can think of that comes close is kind of maybe Teresa in Real Housewives of New Jersey. But even then... It wasn't like this. And you're right, Monique, nothing diffused Monique. It wasn't like that happened and she no. was like, fuck, that wasn't great. It was like that happened. She was like, well, justifying it. And then she's like running, running yeah. for Candice as she's getting in the car. And it just feels like she has lost hold on reality at this point. She's lost hold of her senses. Uh I totally agree. And I think we see this with her conversation with Chris where she's trying to explain what happened and he's just like, it doesn't no. make any sense. Like, it doesn't make sense. And quite frankly, I'm fucking embarrassed yeah. that you acted this way. Yeah. And she's, which, I mean, she's trying. I agree with Chris. I, I do too. And I was really glad that he gave her short shrift on this because he was like, nah, I'm not condoning this. This is not okay. And I'm embarrassed and you should be too. And I think the fact that she is still trying to justify it, it's, it's, you know, it is like when people go crazy and, and yeah. they're like trying to get somebody to understand something and that person's going, it's just not that way. And it feels like she she really has lost her mind. And I'm not, yeah. I don't want to say that in a kind of female hysterical, she's lost her shit kind of way. Um, right. But she's not well. No, no. I think there's definitely the stress of everything going on has broken her and she needs to, get some help for that because I mean I think that's all you can really do like when it gets to that point like you need to talk to somebody and you know have a look at your mental health and your emotional well-being and try to figure something else out because you know I mean she's been on she's been on the show she's been on the show since the beginning no she was like second season We're very in, close I think. to yeah, it second season yeah in. yeah and like while we've heard her talk a big game I've never seen her act this way no and you took the words out of my mouth actually like th this isn't a, Mon a Monique that we've seen before. There is definitely something that's happened, which is why I feel like there's something wrong because we've seen her handle herself and her emotions much more competently in previous seasons. So absolutely. When something so different happens, you have to go, okay, what's, you have to think what's going on, like what's happening with you. That being right. said, there's never any justification for putting your hands on, on something. And she wouldn't let go. I mean, she was like no. a dog. What is it? I can't remember if there's an animal that once it bites you, it doesn't let go. And that's what she was like. You could, They couldn't get... Yeah. There was like six people trying to get her off and she wouldn't let go. Yeah. I mean, you remember in New Jersey when... Um, what's her name? Pulled Margaret's hair, like real quick. Danielle. Yeah, yeah. And that caused like a lot of like trauma... I can't even imagine the pain Candace was in. Well, I mean, the good news is it was a wig. So I imagine it wasn't as yeah. painful as it would have been your actual hair. But I right. still think that it, it's yeah. not cool. I mean, it's just not cool. No, I've, I've, I have never been in a fight in my entire life. Like, I can't even imagine, like, the emotional stress Imagine how that Candace. Is imagine how fast with. your heart would be beating. Like oh. you would go into shock. Um, funnily enough, I think <sighs> Karen, of all people, immediately mm -hmm. sort of defends Monique to a certain extent, and whether that's because right. she can see something in her that's not right or whatever, I don't know. But it seems like a brave choice to make at that particular point. Absolutely. It's a pretty brave stance because I feel like everybody else is like, no, yeah, that's not okay. We're really freaked out by this. And um, yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting is this fight kind of yeah. goes beyond the group, right? Like it starts bringing up stereotypical behavior and how they feel as black women having this happen on their show. Yeah. And I found that super interesting as well because you know, Candace is the first one to kind of bring it up in the car ride home. And she's like, I'm not okay with this. You know, as black women, we have essentially they're held to a higher standard completely unjustifiably, but that's how, right. that's what she's saying. And we cannot play to this stereotype of black women getting violent and savage and all of this stuff. And yeah, and she's right. And you see this, 
you see a lot of the other women come to this conclusion independently as well. And, you know, we see Giselle talk about it. We certainly see Wendy talk about it as a very high profile black woman, especially in political circles in DC. So it's, it's going to really hurt Monique this. And I, and I absolutely, you know, I'm really interested to see how they handle it and how she handles it. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I wonder if we will get an apology. Like, I wonder if she will apologize, like, not only to Candace, but, like, to the rest of the women as well. Um, I think that'll be interesting to see. And, you know, maybe we'll see that process. Who knows? We'll see. I mean, it looks like it does get highly emotional um, carrying, like, when we saw the trailer for the next season, it looked like it got pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. And as much as I think she's wrong and she needs to figure some shit out, I do hope that the ladies can find a gentle way of managing this because like you say, it's not, she hasn't set a precedent for this before. So, no, you know, we'll see. But fuck me, that was yeah. one way to start the week, wasn't it? Oh man, like that's a Sunday evening. <laughs> well, it really, well, it was a Monday morning for me. So it really, it really got my week off to a flying start. Yeah. Um, we'll see how that goes um the other thing we see a little bit more of this week is of course the we get a bit more of an insight into what's going on with karen and ray yeah i mean i think it really boils down to ray feels really neglected and is really struggling with kind of the switch in dynamic in their relationship um i love how karen had to rebrand therapy for him yeah into like life coaching. (laughs) Like it's a very old school, like I think mentality about therapy. But I mean, I like that Ray kind of gets on board and gives it a go. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think you have to give him credit for that. Like this guy is nearly 80 and yeah, not only does he, is he willing to kind of give it a go? He really invests in it a little bit as well. And I found that really touching because when you say neglected, and I think you're right, I also, it really triggered some shit in me because actually I just felt like he felt like he wasn't being kept in mind. And what really right. struck at home for me was this idea where he was like, she used to cook and when the kids were home, she would cook. And then they left and it's like, she has no reason to cook. Like I'm not reason enough for her to cook a meal. And that really touched me because I thought that's actually a really eloquent thought out way of trying to explain your feelings um yeah and that's not easy i imagine that's not easy for a guy like ray to talk about in front of a stranger not at all i really applaud ray's honesty and kind of openness to the way that he's feeling i feel like he's definitely given it a lot of thought and really tried to pinpoint what the things are that are making him disconnect yeah and i found that really fascinating I did too. And I also found it fascinating. In fact, in some ways, I found like Ray took that therapy a little bit more seriously than Karen because I, I felt like right. Ray was being very, very honest, which is what you have obviously have to be in therapy. Therapy is not easy. It's not where you go and tell each other that you love each other and walk out holding right. hands and skip down the road. It is where you tell the people the people you love the difficult truths and because it's a safe space. And that's what you're yeah. fucking paying for. Um, right. And I feel like Karen wasn't as honest. I think Karen is dissatisfied with the relationship that she has. And I think she feels unsupported. And I think she feels uncelebrated by Ray. But I don't think she's willing to say that. And instead, she's saying, I just love him so much. And he just doesn't love me. And that's kind of disingenuous, I think, at this point. I agree with you. I felt Karen, like that session was a bit of a cop out for Karen because obviously we've seen her be way more honest with the girls about how she's feeling. And I think it would have been really productive for Ray to hear those thoughts because he doesn't know. Like, I think again and again, like your partner can't read your mind. So unless you're willing to say it to them, like you can't keep beating them up for things that you think that they should know. And, you know, that's difficult. And, you know, I mean, I get Karen's reaction to Ray not really knowing whether he loves her or not. Like, I totally understand the pain of that, but I still really applaud his honesty because that was not easy for him to say. No, and therapy is hard for that reason. You know, I remember when Jimmy and I were really at crisis point and we really only spoke when we were in therapy because we couldn't risk, because we were bringing up such fucking long-held resentments and anger and pain. 
that you only have that hour in therapy and it's very dangerous to come out of therapy and then start to rehash it on your own. You don't right. want to fucking touch that. So no, w- w- we had to kind of really commit to, to, to keeping it in the room. And when it was really acute, we almost didn't really speak at all outside of therapy. And, you know, it's it's a really hard dynamic to make, but I do think Karen needs to really be a bit more self-reflective and be a bit more honest in therapy because the scary thing about therapy is admitting that your relationship is fucked because you feel like doing that is the final nail in the coffin. And actually it's not, it's like the first step to making it right. But I think that's it's like what, picking out the wood, right? Yeah. But I think that's what Karen is afraid of. She doesn't want to say, I'm struggling to to love him because she feels like that would mean that it's over. And it and it really doesn't have to, but good on Ray for for doing it and being yeah. honest. And um Yeah, it's it's a journey, but I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I I'm really loving I mean, I think we say it every week, how much we're loving this season of The Real Housewives of Potomac, because I feel like it's dealing with real, I mean, we're getting into some real issues that I think everybody can really connect with. And I feel like after kind of Beverly Hills in New York weren't really issues we could all connect with, whereas I feel like this one is, it's tackling a man and it's it's a good thing to watch and it definitely gives us more to talk about. So maybe it's a bit selfish. Well, but. I think this franchise is really interesting because obviously these women are really wealthy, but they're not ridiculous. Yeah. They're not Beverly Hills wealthy. So, you know, we see Ashley and Michael obviously doing really well, but they're not living in a massive mansion, you know, and they are struggling and we do see them dealing with a new baby and, and okay, they've got some help, but a lot in the way that we dealt with new babies. So yeah. I think their level of wealth helps us relate a little bit more. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it is, it, it's great for us to talk about. And every week we come to Potomac and it's like, actually, there's loads for us to get our teeth into. Yeah. Um, so for that, I'm always grateful. And of course, you know, we've also got Giselle this week as well. And in Atlanta. Oh, man. I find it so interesting, this interaction with her dad, where like to her face, he's like, I just want you to be happy. If this makes you happy, I'll support you. I'll be at your wedding this time, blah, blah, blah. And then at the very end of the episode, when he goes to the restroom, producers ask him what he really thinks of Jamal and he forgets that he's mic'd up, I assume. And um, he's got a very different story to tell about Jamal and you know, all these baby mamas and he's not a good dude and like Papa... Papa's Giselle's dad is definitely not on board with this. I mean, listen, I miss uh, obviously because I'm a dick. I missed that bit at the end. I think I obviously <laughs> just went next one. Um, right. So that was interesting to me to hear it from you. But what I find interesting, and actually what I find kind of commendable, is it's like he's learned from his lesson. He doesn't have to like Jamal. He doesn't have right. to, you know. And there's no reason for him to essentially. But at least as far as Giselle's concerned, he's doing the right thing because he loves her. So he will support her. And I think he will support her in her decision. It doesn't mean he has to be yeah. happy about it. I, I I think it's a bit of a faux pas that he ended up getting caught on on, on a mic. I know. I felt really, really bad for him. I do like, too. Because I feel like he's tried uh, to do the right... After not doing the yeah. right thing the last time, I feel like this is him learning a lesson and doing the right thing. And now he's like been caught up in this and... Bless him. But I mean, it's hard, man. You can't blame him. I mean, Jamal was a twat. I mean, let's be real. If this was happening with any of our kids, we'd feel the exact same way. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, it is hard. I mean, I probably would be more of like what Giselle's did, the dad did the first go round than like, you know what, if it'll make you happy, you know, we'll all deal with it because I'm not good at that part of parenting yet. But hopefully by the time my kids are older, <laughs> I'll be better at it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I would not be down with like, I would not be down with Jamal, like a guy like Jamal being with one of my goddaughters. A hundred percent. No, no. I mean, no, no. I mean, <laughs> God help the men that they bring home. Like God help the men that they bring home. And not because Jimmy will be a hard time. Like, no, I will. God help yeah. them. Um, but that being said, it's I mean, a little, 
she she seems happy with him and maybe he has changed and who the fuck knows you know time will tell right i mean that that's we're only going to know once they get into it. He's not going to show that side when he's trying to woo her back or whatever. And hopefully he has changed. Maybe he has realized what what he's missing out on by not being with her and the girls and, you know, just the family unit. So hopefully that was enough to kind of make him change and rethink maybe that fame got to his head a little bit and you know in the beginning and yeah i don't know we'll see we'll hope so i mean i think it's interesting that he's bought these girls a restaurant let's uh, just very quickly because of course at first i was like that's such a fucking ridiculous thing to buy (laughs) these three kids and to be fair if giselle refers to her 14 year old children as entrepreneurs one more time i might have to go and have a word like let's not call them entrepreneurs it's not what just happened um no I mean, I like the idea of sending them in to wash dishes through the summer and learning about the business from the ground up. And if you have to buy a business to make that happen, I mean, the rest of us just send our kids off to go and get jobs. But if you have to buy a business to make that happen, then at least they're not just handing them the keys to the castle. Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting point where they were talking about generational wealth. Yeah in like the African-American communities and how they really want to build that for their kids to then pass down to their kids and start building this. I thought that was a really interesting point about it that I hadn't, obviously I hadn't thought of because, you know, I just didn't. No, but and I, I thought that was a really interesting viewpoint and explanation for the restaurant. Yeah, and I wrote that down too and I and, and I thought it was, I thought it was interesting and it's something that I think quite a lot about because um, it's kind of a dream of mine to be able to set my kids up so that they are comfortable. I mean, I don't ever want to be sort of making it so that life's too fucking easy for them, but it would be great to know that our kids don't have to worry, even if, do you know what I mean? There's that sense of being able to pass that on. but at the same well, time, weirdly, it's just a different. It's just a different perspective yeah. as well. It totally is. I mean, essentially, that's the American dream, right? Like setting up the next generation to not have to work as hard as the past generation. And I mean, it, in white in white people's families, that's the way it's been. And obviously, it's not the same for people of color in this country. I want to set my kids up all right, but I also want to make sure they have some skin in the game because I feel like if you look at generational wealth especially in the U.S., and I'm sure it's the same in the U.K., you always have, like, a really strong work ethic for that generation that really builds up that generational wealth. And then you have a dip the next generation because they've had that. And then often enough, you get the grandkids who have really pulled it back up because they they feel that drive. So it's an interesting up and down for me. So I don't want them to be you know, the generation that just, you know, oh, sits no. on their laurels. I mean, I so think it's what, an interesting balance. Yeah. And I think what I would like, I think right? what I mean is, <laughs> you know, I think about buying a house and how difficult that is these days, like just right. being able to get a foothold on the ladder. Like we had to have help to make that happen. And we were fortunate enough that we could do that. And I think what I mean is I want to be in a position to support them in their dreams of kind of getting what it is that they want from life so that they can work their fucking asses off for it. But I think at the moment, especially the generation below us, I mean, I don't know how the fuck they're going to do it. Like, I just don't know. It's, it, it, it's so difficult and it, it is what it is, but it is a thought that I have a lot about. Absolutely. And I mean, housing markets are very different. I mean, London is, 100% 100% different than Denver, but Denver is a lot harder than it was in Texas. Like, yeah. I mean, it just, you know, depends on where you live in the housing market around it. But um, I think you're right. Like, I think anything you can do to give your kids a leg up to still have to work hard, but maybe not worry about the basics, that's a nice thing to do. Yeah. And I think I've always been a grafter and you've always been a grafter. We've always had jobs since we were like even legal to work. Yeah. I remember I was 13 and my dad woke me up one morning first day of my summer holidays and took me to the local (laughs) fucking pub saying that we were just dropping in on the way somewhere. (laughs) And then he he just left me there and said, by the way, this is your new job. I'll pick you up at three. I was like, what? The actual fuck? And then he picked me up at three, took me to the next pub in the village at six and said, and now you're here till midnight. I'll pick (laughs) you up. And I swear I worked 
from That's nine hilarious. till three in the first pub and then from six till midnight in the second pub six days a week for seven weeks during my summer holidays earning i shit you not two pounds 70 an hour damn but that's how that's I was brought right. up. And, and that's how I yeah. bring Mike. I mean, not quite that brutal. Right, right. Fuck me. But I, like maybe having a chat about their new job yeah, would I mean, be nice. Well, I mean, at least even if I don't have a chat with them, I'll make sure it's legal working hours and minimum wage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a fair enough boundary to put in place. Um, right, right. But yeah, I did think it was an interesting chat with, and, and I'd be interested to see how these girls respond to this restaurant because they didn't look that impressed. Mind you, those girls never really no. looked that impressed. And I think it's probably because they're not that comfortable in front of the camera. Right. Imagine being a 14-year-old no, totally girl and like having cameras. I mean, it's just the worst. Ugh. I would have hated it. I would have fucking hated it. I, I mean, I probably would have loved it, but that's because I'm a massive narcissist. <laughs> um, Real quick, before we move on, yeah. let's just talk about Michael and Ashley and the post-nuptial agreement chat. I mean, to be fair, I didn't think that this was going to be a five-minute topic we tapped on to the end of the, the Potomac chat, but thankfully, no. Monique has pushed them right off the top spot, so here we right. are. Um, what do you reckon, uh, Reagan? Do you reckon M- Michael's going sa- to sign that post-nuptial agreement? I feel like because we see Ashley pregnant again in real time, he has signed it. Because I don't know if she would have had another baby without that being signed. So I don't know. We'll see. Good point. I have to say this week, I, I was unsure last week as to whether Ashley really meant that she would leave him if he fucked around again. This week, I felt like she did mean it. Oh, yeah. I don't think she's fucking around. Yeah. And I don't think he's got a leg to stand on. Like, he's caught red handed. She said, you have to fucking sign something now. He's gonna have to fucking sign it. And if he doesn't, she'll walk. Yeah. And she should. And she knows she will. So could not have more love for this woman who handles everything with fucking grace. Yeah, well, and she's got him to rights, right? Yeah. Like, last season was all speculatory. There's no fucking question about what happened this time. Not at all. But he's And he's such a child. Ugh. It's like, oh, the baby's always here. What did you expect? Right? They don't come out at 18 and go to college. No. If they did, everybody would ha- be having loads of kids because that would be easy. Yeah, you don't just like push them out and have them for an hour a day when it suits you. Like when they're here, Ugh. they're fucking here. And trust. And I felt like saying to Michael, babe, I feel you. Like I get it. It's an yeah. adjustment. But now you need to figure this shit out. And dealing with right. it by going to a strip club and taking a stripper to a hotel room is not the way to deal with this. Not the way to do it at all, Michael Darby. I do not think it is the last we have seen of Michael's transgressions, though. Just saying. Nope. We'll wait and see. While we've got you here, we'd love to talk to you about our brand new Patreon account. Woohoo! It's all the extra content that is not only about reality TV, but all the other TV that we happen to be watching. And if that wasn't cool enough, we also give away a little bit more about ourselves. So there's lots of personal stuff on there too, if you want to get to know us better. So head on over to patreon.com, search for TV My Husband Hates, and all this extra content can be yours for less than a cup of coffee. Or a glass of wine. Whatever you choose. Okay, welcome back. Thanks for that. Um, let's move on to Below Deck Med. Yeah, because it's the final charter, which I've got now like the final countdown stuck in my head. I that song. <laughs> now you've got it stuck in my head. <laughs> That's all you have to say. And it's like an earworm for everyone. <laughs> I'm already thinking of what kind of TikTok I could make to that. There you go. Um, I mean... It's going to be a lot of chat about the whingy <sighs> bastard that Tom is. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, just stop. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> I genuinely would rather, like, fight with my kid for three days over going to bed than watch him whine about one more thing. Oh, and it's like the same old shit. Like, come on, dude. He's so fucking stop. But do you know what I found really interesting is like he spoke to who was it? Oh, Alex comes down because Malia's not allowed in the galley. She fucking sends Alex down. I mean, she 
She needs to Alex stop. Alex is amazed balls. Alex goes he down. He is the best thing ever. He's like, is this a tricky lunch? Can I help you? Tom's like, no, it's fine. It's easy as. Don't worry. I've got it. Malia comes down. This is just so hard. Yeah. It's just such a bullshit. And I thought, you manipulative little piece of shit. Yep. How was it all right yep. when Alex was around? But when Malia's here, you're playing this like victim shit. It, it, that you, was the moment when I went, nah, you are done. Yeah, it's a fucking game. And like yeah. maybe he just didn't want to be seen as a whiny little bitch to other people. But let me give you breaking news, Tom. <laughs> Everybody sees you as a whiny little bitch. <laughs> Even Malia now. Even Malia, which we'll talk about in a minute. But when he's like, I just want some fucking respect from someone. It's like, give it why? Dude. What makes you yeah. think you've earned it? You're like an oversized British toddler. I think Aisha says something brilliant. And she's like, I can't remember what it is. I know I wrote it down. But she was just, I can't remember. She's like some fucking British spoiled brat. And she she's absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. It's shameful. It's shameful and embarrassing. It really is. Poor Tom's mom. Poor Tom's mom. Poor Tom's mom. Poor everybody. Anyway, you got the lowdown on um, Malia and Tom's breakup, didn't you? Ah, uh, yes. So um, Watch What Happens Live came on after this episode. And like they do this weird thing on my DVR where it just records it as all one. So usually like if I just let it run, I'll, I'll pick up points of it. So it was Malia and Sandy. Um, and they were chatting. And I think the word on the street is that Tom actually cheated on Malia on another boat. And that's why they broke up. But they have definitely called it quits. So did Malia imply that? That's the word on the street. And she did not deny it. Interesting. She just said, I don't really want to talk about like the real ins and outs. But when I asked you as well, because I didn't watch this show, but when I said, yeah. I said, but what about Malia and Sandy? Like, how were they together? Because, of course, there's been this huge hoo-ha over Sandy's cameo film. And Malia, I mean, if I was Malia, I'd be pissed. Yeah. No, they didn't even address it. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah. funnily enough, one of our lovely followers, and I forget the name, I will remember, but one of our lovely followers sent us, we couldn't find it, but she found no. the original <sighs> cameo video that Sandy did on Reddit. Reddit's like a place I well never done, go, you. but I feel like I, if I did, oh. I'd never leave. No, Reddit is like a black hole of the universe. Yeah. Like you get on and you cannot get off and it's fucking incredible. I think I need to stay away from, I do not need. Yeah another platform no. um anyway so she <laughs> sent it to me now i'm gonna be honest i don't want to post it on the facebook page because yeah. i feel like it's been done and we don't but i'm feeling pretty comfortable posting it into the group Ooh, that's a good one post it in the group maybe so, we could even post it on patreon Ooh, well we'll see well listen maybe what we'll yeah. do is i'll post it into the facebook group which is private yes. and only there for people. Yes. And it's on Reddit anyway. So, you know, you can go and find it if you need it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll post it in the group. So if you want to watch it and you can't find it anywhere else, then ask to join the group and Reagan will let you in. It's basically where yeah. we, the Facebook group is basically created in case you didn't want everybody to know just how much time you spend investing in reality TV, right? Yeah. Obviously, we can't do that it incognito anymore no. it's all out there our for cover everybody. is our cover is blown let's be clear yeah um but the group is where there's lots of good chat so so get into the group and i'll post it on there at some point if i forget give me a nudge but we'll do that um, yeah I, i'm gonna just go ahead and apologize i feel like the group has been a little neglected and um i'm gonna try to focus on that i'll try to focus more on the group stuff and just talk about other things that we're watching and things like that because it's not only the stuff that we talk about on the show. No, there's like extra stuff as well. But you know yeah. what? We're all busy. Shit's going on. We are. Fair enough. No need to apologize. It's all good. <laughs> um, anyway, the Tom thing, I like you were saying that Sandy, you felt Sandy was handling this well. I mean, this is like the only good thing we can say about Sandy at this point. But yeah, well, I think she's right. Like he is putting everything on Malia. Malia needs to get the fuck out of the kitchen and let him fail or walk or whatever he's going to do. It's not up to her to try to keep him on the boat. And I feel like he's manipulating that situation as well. Like he is putting it all on her. Like I was only here for you. I could be with my family right now. Well, then you should have just said no and gone home because you could have done that. Yeah. You were the one that said yes. Own it. 
take responsibility. Don't make Malia feel bad about it. And just fucking no. get on with your job. And Sandy's right. Yes, the provisions are not up to scratch. But as soon as she knew about it, she made a phone call. And in the meantime, Tom has to use his chef wizardry to make something out of fucking nothing. And that's what this job is about. That's what being a chef is about. Like sometimes shit doesn't go your way and you have to figure it out and get creative. And I think she is 100% on point with that. I also feel like, I mean, the guests were fucking, the guests loved his food. I know. He just kept banging on about it, not being up to scratch, but like it was fine. And when you work with Nigel Rhodes and what's the other guy, the shouty one, Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. I think Gordon Ramsay would have punched him in the mouth. I think Gordon Ramsay would have punched him in the mouth as well. But it's just really... It's just really embarrassing, Tom. Like honestly, Tom, I've never, I've never felt anybody, I've never looked at anybody in a less attractive way as I have him when he whines and behaves like that. Well, and he keeps banging on about the food sending out is his reputation. What about your bitch ass attitude? Yeah, because I, I think that speaks more to your reputation than your food. I mean, I think chefs. I, you're absolutely right, and I agree. I do think chefs for a long time have just been given carte blanche to kind of, it doesn't matter how they behave if their food is top notch. Like, I think that's a thing. And I think that's why Gordon Ramsay is the dick that he is. Yeah, yeah. Also the TV show because, you know. But but yeah, I mean, if I had a restaurant, I wouldn't hire him. No. He wouldn't do anything you wanted him to do and he'd just bitch and complain about it. No, I mean, compare it to like, why can't I never remember the guy's name? Adam. Uh, yeah. Like his food was great. All right, it's not Michelin star, but his food was great. And as much of a dick as he was, he he was never, never through these tantrums like this. No, he wasn't whiny. He was difficult to work with, but he wasn't whiny. He wasn't whiny. It's the whininess. Would you like yeah, some cheese with that me. wine? Um, Ugh. Anyway, listen, we probably don't have to talk about him for very much longer because it, we must only have like one or two episode, one episode left. Yeah. So this is the last charter. So I think we may have one episode left. Sandy and Malia confirm there is a reunion because they shot the reunion while Malia and Tom were still dating. So like uh, it's a different thing. So they had already, they've already shot the reunion. So there will be one which we can chat about. Um, but yeah. I think I think we're coming to an end um, with this. And then, of which, course, the other fireworks. I mean, come- it's been a great season. It, Go ahead. Sorry, it's that was. I, I I am very bad at talking over you. That is a thing. But actually, that was because you kind of cut the yeah, your sound kind of cut out. So I didn't mean to be such a dick. Then apologies. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the other fireworks, of course, came from Aisha, Rob, Jess, Triangle that Aisha has unwittingly found herself in the middle of. Yeah, I, uh, Jess, Aisha does not want your dude. She really doesn't. She doesn't want him. <laughs> I mean, really, I don't think anybody does. He's a little way, too sensey. I love, well, he's sensey. Also, Aisha doesn't really like that he's sensey, but also she's like, he's got like a face that's quite intense. You know, and I thought that was, <laughs> I, I was like, yes, babe, I know what yeah. you mean. It's like a sharp she's face. She's not her cup of tea. Yeah. 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 She, she's not vibing with him. Now, listen. If I was Jess and I overheard her talking with my boyfriend about how he spread me that night in the kitchen, I have to say it wouldn't be a jealousy feeling at all. No. But I would perhaps feel a little uncomfortable about the conversation. In ge- I wouldn't want to be talked about like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That I think is fair enough. But when she goes batshit crazy because Aisha puts her hand on his butt, I don't know if it was just me, but it, she, you saw her like try to put it round the bag and then not. So she yeah. just sort of hovered it up just under the backpack. That was all that was, right? Yes. I didn't feel like she grabbed his ass. I felt like it was an uncomfortable group photo situation where you don't know what to do with your hands because your arms are weird. Yeah. And like you just kind of have to fit it in and you don't really know what's going on. And there's a bulky backpack that you got to get around and and Aisha I love her but she's kind of of she's clumsy as fuck anyway do you know what I mean she's kind of all legs and arms anyway so she's you can see she doesn't know where to put her hand it's not like (laughs) 100% it's not like she's working up the courage to grab his ass she just doesn't know what she's I mean if she wanted to grab his ass she would have just grabbed his ass that's her yeah 
I mean, this is, and this, and you can see Jess looking down from the deck, oh, and it's the like rage. she's, it's like she's pulling a Monique. She's gone batshit. Yeah, yeah, it's just way too much, and it's spilling over into the guests. Now, I will agree that Rob is being a little more friendly than usual with the guests about like being seen and oh, all God. his sensitive bullshit crap. But um, again the guests are not going to sleep with him. Like you're probably got a really good tip out of it. Like you need to chill the fuck out, Jess. I mean, this is, yeah, this is a problem I have with Rob. I mean, at first I think I really fell for the, I fell a little bit, not fell for him, but like I did yeah, fall yeah, a little yeah. bit for his, I felt seen for the first time. I was like, Oh, you know what? Maybe there's an element of that's lovely. a guy talking in a refreshing way about how he's feeling. Now that we realize that this is just a line he uses yep. all of a sudden, um, it's not quite as, uh, it just doesn't impress me quite as much. And he was being overly flirty with a guest. Now, yes, do what you need to do for a tip. And if I was going yeah. out with Jess, I would think twice about yes, about breathing in the wrong direction, frankly. Um, but she's just all out of out of whack. Like she's she's losing her mind about this. And I think... She really is. She's in like the jealousy black hole. She is. She's like, she's a little bit, she reminds me a little bit of Lady Macbeth right now. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> out, out, damn spot. Um, you see, smart people watch reality TV. I just yeah. literally just quoted Shakespeare. <laughs> eh, Fuck not everybody That's, can. Nope. You don't get that from any other reality TV podcast. Let me tell no, you. No, you don't. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. I was so pleased with myself. Um, yeah, she's. I, don't, I can't imagine Barley's going to go well. Or maybe it will. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Um, it'll be interesting to see the reunion. Like, I wonder if that was like after Bali had happened oh, yeah. or like, I don't know the timing. Um, but I know they're not together now because I caught a glimpse of a chat on Watch What Happens Live with Rob and um, Bugsy. But I feel like he wants to be back with her, so we'll maybe we'll figure out what's happened there. I, I, it's just too much. It's too much for me. It's too much like, for me. Yeah, it's exhausting watching. Um, oh, I've just seen a note that I wrote about Tom, and I yes. thought I just not to go Share back. It. But you know how his energy is really negative, and it infects the boat. Like they talk about how his energy yes. is starting to infect the boat. I was like, he's the coronavirus of the yacht. He 100% is. Like, he's slowly infecting everybody. Like, Molly is going to get it the worst. He's the super but, uh, spreader of negativity. Yeah. <laughs> it's the negativity, negativity pandemic on board <laughs> below deck med. <laughs> there ain't no mask to fix that, let me tell you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And you can't social distance. <laughs> no, no social distancing. Ah, oh, Corona jokes. That's what we're here oh, for. Shakespeare quotes yeah. and Corona jokes. What can I say? That That's what we're known for. Um, that's the word on the street. Listen, Ash, uh, listen, Aisha and Rob are about to go off on a trip together. So no doubt Jess is going to get her panties in a bunch about that. And Ugh. Lord knows what's going to happen. Yeah, I can't wait to see because I wonder if they're going to have like the last night out and I wonder if it's going to be really explosive because like it's going to come just after all this stuff. Well, I think it will be. I think on Jess's part it will be because I think it's always explosive on Jess's part and I'm interested to right. see how Isha handles it. I feel like she's already a little bit emotionally struggling so she may either just burst into tears and leave or it may be like that thing that's like, I fucking had enough because Aisha's got that yeah. side to her too. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, Which brings us to, last but not least, keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah, I mean... Which it, was a little snooze for me. It was a bit of a snooze fest for me as well. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't. <sighs> yeah. I really have never felt more connected to Kim Kardashian than I did this <laughs> week. Like, my fear of spiders is absolutely on a part. In fact, if not more, because I can't ever, ever, ever imagine a scenario in which a tarantula would be even near my hand, let alone on my head. Like, I just can't, I can't. It, it would not happen. I was going to say, I give massive props to Kim for, like, trying to do stuff in front of her dot. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, really giving it the fucking college try to get over this, this 
fear that she has. And, you know, like you and I were talking before, I don't want to call it an irrational fear in, a, in like making it sound like she shouldn't be afraid of it. I mean it more as like, there's no reason for the fear, but it's true and it's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the phobia, right? Yeah. And it, I mean, we were talking about this. It is when I, I mean, I could see a, a snake could come into my office and I wouldn't be happy about it at all. But my reaction would be completely different if it was a spider. And it's, and it's like my heart, like it beats so fast. It feels like it's stopped. And my whole, it feels like my body is shutting down. It, I am overwhelmingly hot. I cannot move and I want to puke. And, and that's literally interesting. the feeling that I get. I mean, listen, tiny, tiny spiders, like the little ones like this. Yeah. I'm okay with, but anything bigger than a, than a dime, not okay. Right. What about daddy long legs? Whose body is the, the flyy size of ones. like, I mean, because they, well, they just got those big long legs. Oh, so there's daddy long legs, which are the, in England, they're yeah. the flying ones that look a bit like spiders, but oh. they have wings and they fly. So for me, it's like, they're a fly. I mean, I don't love them, okay. but I don't have the fear, but yeah, even right. the little ones with the little pin bodies and the long no i don't yeah, like that yeah. and we're in the season like september october is the worst season in, in England spider season because they all come in from the garden but it's the big garden <laughs> yeah. spiders and they're fucking big like they're the size of your yeah. palm and they're not hairy they're just not okay and it's really a very testing and trying time for me i don't like it i was gonna ask you so like obviously kim's reactions are a lot duller now that like she has kids like she like she still kind of freaked out a little bit, but it wasn't like the clip of the freak out that happened many years ago about yeah. it. Has your, like, are you able to keep your fear more together in front of your kids and spiders or is it just still the fucking same? It doesn't matter. I think, uh, it depends how far it goes. I, like they were, there was a time when if I saw one in the garden, like I wouldn't even go into the kitchen side of the house. Like it w- was ridiculous. Right. That's fine. And I will as far as, but if there's ever a point of like, like Jimmy tried to get rid of one the other day and um, he like just grabbed it with his hands and then it sort of dropped on the web and he like caught it with the, and like there was no, the fact that that spider yeah. at that point was out of control <laughs> was way too <laughs> fucking much for me. Like that was, was it. I was like havoc screaming up like it's just it's awful and i have tried to keep so many of my fears and phobias off my kids because i mean i don't have tons of them but i think i hit it for a while but now the kids are very aware of my fear of spiders they think it's hilarious and jimmy was like worried (laughs) that they would be scared of spiders and Bo does it a little bit because she's younger but billy now just thinks it's hilarious she's kind of a bit more like north um but it is fuck me it was hard watching I could, that and it was That's that black figured. one at the end that really got me. It was too black. Yeah, it was not okay. <laughs> like now I'm. I itching. did. I thought about you watching that entire episode. Like Cat is freaking the fuck out at home, even though it's like TV. It's grossing her out. It's creeping her out. I don't have any weird little things like that. Um, I don't know why. I just don't. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the little ones that I had were very minor. And so they like, I don't have them now that I have kids. Like I just suck it up and deal with it. Like yeah. not a fan of shots, but I don't freak out about shots in front of my kids. Like that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. But I mean, more interesting than the spider phobia is Chloe's fear <laughs> of whales. I was fascinated by that. Like, like I don't understand it. Well, You're I've, not, you can easily choose not to be around whales. Well, they don't come into your house unexpected. Well, this is the thing, right? This is why spiders are such a kind of unknown for me because I remember once lying on my pillow in my bedroom as a kid and this massive spider running across my pillow, like right in front of my face. And it's that surprise. Like sometimes you just, a spider will just fucking appear from underneath the sofa. That's not right. okay. It's not going to happen with a whale. I feel like you can successfully, <laughs> I feel like you could spend your entire life successfully avoiding whales with little to no yeah. problem. I mean, I don't have a phobia of whales. I will be 40 years old next year and I have never <laughs> encountered a whale. I mean, maybe I am deathly afraid of them and I just don't even know it because I have not encountered them. Maybe. I mean, it's, it was bizarre, but I have to say, 
I really enjoyed Kim's prank. Like, for me, that made me laugh. Like, I know it was lame, but the fact that she went all out so that she couldn't get in, like, that did make (laughs) me laugh. I was like... That is a lot of whale floaties. It was. Because those are like those little pool floaties that, like, you ride. I tagged awesome. When you did it in the poll, I was like, I'm going for awesome with that. That's not lame. I mean, because what else could she do? I mean, she can't... I mean, also, I guess you have to, like, think of her audience as well. Like, you cannot prank... Scott and Chloe. They are the king and queen of pranks. True. Like they have that unlock. So maybe maybe you're right. Maybe that was an awesome prank for Kim. True. Um <laughs> I we actually weren't going to start with spiders, but I feel like we've done that now, so it's fine. No. But let's move yeah. on to Kim and her work that she's doing in terms of clemencies within the justice system because I think this is really fascinating. I love it. I love that she is using her platform to enact real change. And it's fucking shocking when you hear these women's stories about something that is legal in a lot of states in the U.S. now, getting these crazy-ass long sentences. And I'm sure it's because of, like, minim- like mandated minimums yeah. th- that they got them as bad as they did. But I mean, like, what? Like, the one lady for Medicare fraud got, like, 35 years, which like you, we were talking about earlier, was probably need-based. Like, I don't think she's like some mastermind criminal that's trying to fleece millions of dollars out of the system. No, I feel like if you're if you're a true con artist and you're really doing it because you're motivated by stealing a gazillion bucks, you don't tr- you don't commit Medicare fraud. Medi- I feel like you... Yeah, Medicare commi- is not your target. No, I feel like you commit <laughs> Medicare fraud because you're desperate to pay some fucking bills or you need some fucking treatment and you can't afford it. And... To be right. handed a sentence of 35 years? That's fucked, man. Blue. That's huge. My mind. I mean, that's like your earning life potential, right? I've seen people go down for attempted murder for less time than 35 years. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or what about like the woman who her boyfriend was dealing drugs out of her house? She got 35 years as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucked. It, uh, honestly, it blew my mind. And I think there's a lot of people who are willing to criticize Kim and, and write her off as an airhead. And I think that's, we've talked about this before. I think that's just- Yeah, it's so it, misguided. It's misguided, it's misinformed. But even if she was an airhead, she, at least she is using her platform- to do something valid. And all right, you can say, oh, it's 20 years too late, whatever. Be as grumpy as you like about it. But she's actually enacting real change and she's making real shit happen. She's not up there, you know, she's been really smart in going for this thing that she can actually do and make a difference on. And she's getting these people out of jail. And the fact is, you know, if you haven't already, then you should definitely go and listen to our minisode on 13th because we talk a lot about the US prison system there and how fucked it is. Yeah. And these ladies are essentially a victim of that. Like you say, you're talking about those sort of mand- mandatory sentences. Minimums. Minimum yeah. mandatory sentences. And kudos to her. I can't understand why anybody can criticize what she is doing or undermine no. it. And what I like... What I like even more is like, so the woman, Alice, who she's mainly working with to get these names, Alice was one of the first that she got clemency for. So she's not even just getting them out of prison. She's empowering them to be vocal about their story and really be proactive in making real change. And that's what I love even more. Like, I think Kim is really trying to make sure that there is a life for people after incarceration, after they've paid their dues or whatever, if their dues are, you know, sensible. But she's really just pushing for a more sympathetic justice system. It's not sympathetic to throw somebody in jail for 35 years for doing, like, something that is legal in most states now. Yeah. Well, and also, it's like you say, these mandatory sentences mean that there is no room for a story for nuance right and it's clear that you can't always brush people and that's the point of judges that's why we have these judges so that they can figure that shit out but their hands are tied with these sentences and it's really devastating and when you think of the amount of people who are in prison in america right now and the amount of those people who are over serving because of these sentences when they could be fucking out is yeah 
terrifying. Um, well, and not even only that, like the trauma that comes from being in prison. Because prison is not a happy, fun place. Like, it's very traumatic. And the years that it takes for these people to then get over that trauma or manage the trauma in their lives based on that, it's just fucking mind-blowing to me. Well, and not just their trauma, but the trauma it inflicts on possible kids or partners or mm-hmm. parents, you know, it's... Or communities. Or community. And, you know, if you talk about communities, if you look at the black community as a whole, yeah. there's like generations of fathers that are absent because they're in prison in a in a disproportionate sense and it's right it's a lot and i love that kim isn't going in to fight this kind of bill at the top but she is working from the bottom and making a difference to as many people as she can and for that i have to give her credit and it's um and i can't imagine how you can ever criticize what she's trying to do in that situation no. Well, and I love it because she's not necessarily a Trump supporter, but she's like, look, you've, we've got to work with the president that we have. And she goes in there and she gets it done. And that's a real skill and a strength. And I like that she uses her platform for good. Yeah. And I think she like, was smart mm, as well to get them yeah. in front of Trump. And I'm sure Trump didn't really give a shit, but, you know, at right. least she forced him to sit down and hear these stories. Um, yeah. Yeah. And she could very easily have not bothered with that. But she was like, no, it's really important that this happens. You can't unhear a story. Like, as evil and misguided as you may be, if you hear a story from somebody's mouth with their emotion and their truth, you can't unhear that. It may not, it may take a while to sink in, but you can't unhear it. And I think that's where Kim is very, very smart. And these women are super fucking brave. And... I just, I love these women empowering each other to like make a real difference and a real change for other people's lives. It's, it's beautiful to me. Me too. Um, and then we, should we finish with little baby Scott who's not feeling so well? Yeah. Low testosterone levels. It's a bitch. I mean, that's what years of Coke and booze will probably do to you. (laughs) Not that I'm unsympathetic, but you know, No, I mean, I think it's interesting, like, as you get older and you realize all the dumb shit you did in your younger years and not thinking that it would do anything to your body, and it does. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, that shit catches up with you. Unless you just keep going. I'm joking, obviously. Yeah, Um, (laughs) just never end. Ride that wave to the very, very end. commit, (laughs) Scott. That's your problem, a lack of commitment. You're a slacker, really. Um, Yeah. But bless him. Uh, he doesn't have coronavirus yet, as far no, as we know. So not yet. Uh, he seems to have figured it out and he'll do all right. And you know what? I'm always rooting for Scott. I've always liked him. I've always appreciated an underdog. And he's had a rough ride. And I'm glad that he is not deathly ill. Same, babe. Um, and with that, we are at the end. We are at the end, which, of course, we always wait to ask you to please rate and review our podcast. You know, it's just that's our that's our natural time. We're just so excited to get into our chat. But please, please, please get on iTunes. Unfortunately, Spotify does not have like a rate and review system. So if you listen to it on other platforms, theirs doesn't really count. It's the iTunes ones that count. If you don't listen to us on iTunes, just go to the website and write a review anyways. You don't actually have to listen to it. Well, from I think that like Podbean counts, doesn't it? And because there are, because Not we've the got charts. 47 written reviews and yeah. only like 19 of those, or in fact, only seven of those are on iTunes because when I go to chart, anyway, this is a conversation for production. We'll have this, yeah. But essentially I also <laughs> found out that uh i found out i mean it wasn't like i went sleuthing i was emailed and told uh right you can now watch all your podcasts on amazon prime listen to all your podcasts on amazon prime yes yeah we we are on there i double checked before signing us up again so we are on amazon music so have a listen there um you can watch us on youtube you can check out all of our great extra bonus stuff on patreon for a little bit of cash you can um, now yeah. read all our all our episodes yes. as well, and it took us a little while to get there. And it is we are going to try and keep up with it. It is a, a kind of yeah. an, a big thing to do, but we think it's 
cool because it makes the podcast more accessible which is what we're here for so we are going to yeah. endeavor to get that done um every week but it is a lot so bear with us if it's a little bit later than it should be but in the meantime guys just delighted that you're still here absolutely um we love that you guys tune in every week and hear what we have to say and chat with us on instagram we love that the most talk to us we're happy to answer any questions or look into any crazy theories that you have on these shows we are and thanks oh i was gonna say and thanks for getting involved with all the social media too we love that yeah we do uh so in the meantime remember smart people watch reality tv too bye-bye bye-bye Please subscribe, rate, and review TV My Husband Hates wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TV My Husband Hates and join the Facebook group to keep the conversation going when the podcast ends. If Twitter's your thing, you'll find us at TV Husbands Hate. The music and production for TV My Husband Hates by Jimmy Sims.